Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org slash OC. I want you to open your Bibles with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 22. It's really a delight to have all of you with us. One of the most beautiful things that has happened during the pandemic at, at Free Chapel, Orange County, is the fact that so many new visitors have been showing up right in the middle of this crazy time that we're in. And the thing that really blesses me is, um, and I, I thought about it, you know, when we get back inside and things get back to normal, I pray that we don't ever have to stop having church outside too. <laughs> Because these cars, we get testimonies of people driving by. I just, I don't know. I heard the music and I pulled in and I've never been to church or I was of a different faith and I came in and, and gave my heart to Christ under the big tent. And so, you know, God, if, if, if one soul gets saved and makes it to heaven, to God be the glory, my goodness. And thank God for a team that is, that is versatile enough to... To, to make it happen. We appreciate you. Proverbs 22. I'll begin reading with verse 13 of Proverbs 22. The lazy man says there is a lion outside. I will be slain in the streets. There is a lion outside and I will be slain in the streets. That's it. That's what I want to preach on. The lazy man says that there is a lion in the street and I can't go out and do what I'm put here on earth to do because there's a lion in the street. There was no lion in the street. I want to talk to you for just a few moments on the subject of chase the roar. Chase the roar. The slothful man, that's another word used to describe the lazy, the sluggard. One translation I really like, that he's not a self-starter. But the biggest interpretation that I like of this verse is one writer said, the man who makes excuses. That's the one that got me. If you're looking for an excuse, you'll always find one. If you're looking for an excuse to be depressed, to be defeated, to give up, to throw in the towel, to say it's over and there's no use to even trying or believing, you'll find it. And this verse is really about the bondage of excuses that we can come under to where we begin to convince ourselves that it's no use. There's lions in the street. There was no lion in the street. What we have to understand is we, we have to be careful that we understand we answer for ourselves. Meaning that we can find excuses and blame the circumstances of life not to have joy, not to keep believing, not to live for God. But the truth is, the Bible said, you are to work out your own salvation. You've got to do your own praying. You've got to do your own Bible reading. You've got to do your own coming to church and worshiping God and fasting and praying. At some point, you have to take responsibility for your life and your relationship with Jesus Christ. He said, the lazy man, the man with excuses says, I can't do it. 
because there's a lion out in the street. I can't go to college. I can't pursue my dreams. I can't have vision in times like these. My whole world is crumbling. My family's falling to pieces. Pastor, you don't understand. But the scripture said that this man was in a place where he was creating an imaginary problem and justifying it and saying, I'm just going to stay here and give up. There's not even any need to go forward and try. He became a prisoner of his imagined problem because it became an excuse. He excuses himself from doing what he ought to do, from doing what he was supposed to do, to doing what he was supposed to accomplish. He began to live in the bondage of excuses. And every time that he heard that voice say, get up and go and try again, he threw up the excuse, there's a lion in the street. What's the use? It's mightier than I am. It's stronger than I am. I just can't do anything about the circumstances of my life. I want to proclaim boldly this morning that there was not a lion in the street that could stop him. We need to be set free from our fear. We need to be set free from our doubts. We need to be set free from our imaginations and our inhibitions because there was no, there was no lion. You need to say like the apostle Paul in Philippians 4.13, not because it's a famous verse, but because now in times like these, we've got to believe it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Enough with the excuses. Enough with justifying why we can't make it and we can't do it and we can't keep going and we can't keep fighting. The Bible said in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 5 or verse 4, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Catch this next part. And casting down imaginations. Casting down imaginations. The word imaginations comes from the word image. And what happens is we begin to imagine, we take on an image through words and through thoughts that we allow to fill our life. And before we know it, the Bible said that you cast down or you pull down strongholds. That's external things, but you have to cast down imaginations that, that the enemy has sent through words and through thoughts. I'll let that Ferrari get by. But those words and those imaginations begin to build false images. And he says you have to cast down not just the stuff on the outside strongholds, but imaginations. You begin to see the images of failure, the images of it's never going to get better, the images of what's the use and, and I can never get, I can't stop this. I can't live for God. Some of you build up an imagination. You just can't live this thing. You just can't be a Christian. You just can't serve the Lord. You have to cast down those imaginations. That's a lion in the street. You formulate mental images and those images become internalized and suddenly there becomes the battle, there comes the battle for the mind. And many are fighting, especially during this pandemic, we're fighting a war in our minds. 
I can't live for God. I can't be faithful. I can't keep going. I can't, I can't, I can't. But that's not what God's Word says. God's Word says that we're not to exalt that image. Don't feed that image. Don't take on that image. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In Mark chapter 5, there was a man who was demon-possessed. He was bound in chains. He cut himself with sharp rocks. He lived in the tombs. Many times they would chain him to try to control him. And with supernatural power, demonic spirits would give him the strength to break those chains. The Bible said no man could tame him. No man could fix his mind. No man could heal the, 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 the psychological and mental and spiritual and emotional mess up that this man was. And on top of that, he was completely possessed with unclean spirits. This man had a real problem. But when he got in the presence of Jesus, he fell at the feet of Jesus and not maybe the greatest real problem that I've ever heard of, it couldn't stop him from getting to Jesus. If a man with real problems couldn't be stopped from getting to the feet of Jesus, what can those of us who have imaginary problems, we're talking about lions in the street, and while we can't, what could we do if we would get in the presence of Jesus? I've come this morning to slay some lions, some lions that have said you're not going to make it. Some lions who have said your family, that image of a broken family and a defeated family and an addicted family and a cursed family. We cast that down in the name of Jesus and we're going to kill that lion. There's going to be lion carcasses all up and down the aisles of this tent. Because Jesus has given us the authority. Everybody take a praise break and give God some praise this morning. Hallelujah. Glory. Mm. I reject that image of failure. I reject that image of defeat. I reject that image that says, stay here. You're not going any further. There are too many lions and they have the power to stop you. Nothing has the power to shut the door that God opens. When he opens the door, no man can shut it. I'll quit in a minute, but can you clap your hands? And when you do, give God some words that the angel can come for. I can do all things. First... In 1 Samuel chapter 22, David was in a cave. He was running from Saul. We often act like that the problems that David had, the greatest battle that he ever fought, maybe the most famous one, was the one with Goliath. But in my opinion, the greater battle was not the one with Goliath because he, he became famous for killing Goliath. But the most great battle that he ever won was the one over Saul. When Saul came in the cave to use the bathroom and David had a sword and all he had to do was kill his greatest enemy. Sometimes your greatest enemy is not, or your greatest victory is not killing somebody, but not killing them. (laughs) 
The Bible said that David was under such distress that he caved. He went in a cave and lived because there were lions out there. Saul was out there. Armies were out there. Problems were out there. Needs were out there. I I can't take it anymore. And he went in a cave. And then the Bible said that he had been anointed king to be Israel. He was in a cave, but he had a dream. But there were lions telling him he couldn't make it. Amazing thing about David when he got in that cave. The Bible said, and 400 other men who were in distress and in discontent and in discouragement and in debt, they came to that cave. David had a dream. If you don't have a dream, get around somebody who does have a dream because dreams are highly contagious. You don't need to just hang out with people who are, who, who are, who are crying in their Starbucks all day long. You need somebody in your life who's giving you a fresh word from God. And so these 400, I see you, I see you helpers out there. God bless you. I love them waving. They're out there praising the Lord in the sunshine in masks and gloves. I love it. Sorry, I am ADD and you distracted me in a good way. (laughs) I love it. And those 400 men come in the cave. And the prophet comes in 1 Samuel 22 and he says these words, Thus saith the Lord, Abide not in this hold, but get you down to the land of Judah. That prophet said you can't make mighty men because those 400 men would become the mightiest men in Israel. But the scripture said that that the thing that it all depended on is abide not in the hold. Don't stay in here. Don't succumb. Don't allow your imaginations of what things could happen if you go outside and go after it. Don't you allow that to make you stay where you are and not walk in faith. And he said, abide not in the hold of the thing. And I don't know what the hold is that's gotten a hold of you. It may be that you've tried to get free from alcoholism or drug addiction. You've tried and it's got a hold on you. And now you've just made up excuses. There's lines in the street. I've tried, I've tried. So I just give up. This is just how it's destined to be. I'm just a loser. I'm just a failure. I'm just, I'm just nothing. I'll never be happy. I'll never be free. That's a lie from the enemy. And abide not in that hold. And then he gave him the answer as to how to not stay there. He said, but go to the land of Judah. And anybody who's been in church knows that the Hebrew word Judah means praise. It means praise. He said, go to the land of praise. That the way that you come out of that fear and the way that you come out of that that mental image of, of nothing good is going to happen and there's no need to keep believing and it's all just a lie and that book is a lie and God is a lie and I don't even know if the cross means anything anymore because everything I've questioned, everything that's happened in my life this year and last year has made me question everything. Somebody's saying that and that's okay if you've got the questions. But don't you let the lion that is out there, it's an imaginary lion, tell you that you have to stay where you are. Don't abide in that hold, but go to the land of promise or the land of praise. 
Everybody say, I'm not living here anymore. I'm tired of letting lions that I've imagined keep me in bondage, keep me in fear, keep me from going for it. I'm getting my sword out and I'm slaying my lion. In Jesus' name, I'm destroying imaginary problems standing in my way. I'm getting free from an immoral lifestyle. I don't have to sit here and abide in this hole the rest of my life. Go to Judah. Face your fears and fight for your dreams. Run to the roar. Don't say there's a lion in the street. Run to the roar. Quit living as though the purpose of life is to arrive at death safely. Make up your mind that, yeah, I know there's, there, there's problems out there, but the lion of the tribe of Judah is in me and I must go forth in faith, not in fear. Stop pointing out all the problems and become part of the solution. When you understand that you can face your fears and you begin to live for the applause of nail-scarred hands. You don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. Quit holding back. Quit giving up. Quit running away. Now here's, here's what got me in 2 Samuel 23 and verse 20. I've preached on this. I've read amazing books on this. I've never seen this part of this verse. The Bible said there was a man by the name of, uh, I think it was Shammah. And he fought a lion, Benaiah. He, he fought on a snowy day. He chased a lion. Everybody say he chased. He chased a lion into a pit on a snowy day. Normal people don't chase lions. They're dangerous. But instead of sitting in his house with excuses saying there's a lion outside when there really was a lion, this man of faith chased the lion. He didn't wait on the lion to chase him. He chased it. You're one idea, one risk away from something powerful happening if you won't let the lion stop you that's in the street. If your dream doesn't scare you, it's probably too small. When everything is said and done, God is not going to say, well said, thou good and faithful servant. Well thought, thou good and faithful servant. Well planned. You really had a great vision laid out and had the presentation and everything. He's going to say, there's one measuring stick. Well done. And if I allow the lion in the street, he will make me stay where I am and never try. If you want to walk on the water, get out of the boat. Are you a lion chaser or a scaredy cat? God has called us to play offense with our lives, even in a pandemic. Faithfulness is not holding the fort. Faithfulness is moving when God says move. There is, um, there's, a, there's a famous 
screenwriter in New York City who is so, so famous and so successful that he does seminars for people who feel called into uh, screenwriting and are people who, who want to be screenwriters and want to write and want to tell stories. And so his, his, this thing costs tens of thousands of dollars to go to. And in it, a man who went through it said these were the most powerful words that changed his life about story writing. He said the biggest thing that this man taught him, if you're going to write a great story, an epic story that maybe would be turned into a movie or a series. He said, here's the line that got me. No conflict, no story. Say that with me. No conflict, no story. Epic movies demand epic conflicts. That's what makes it epic. If David had not picked a fight with a giant, no conflict, no story, I wouldn't be preaching about him. If Benaiah had not chased a lion, I wouldn't be talking about him. No conflict, no story. If Daniel had not been thrown in the lion's den, nobody would care. But it was the conflict that made the powerful story. If Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had not been thrown into the fire, the fourth man would have never showed up. No conflict, no story. But we want a life that is just beautiful. We want a life that is so predictable. We want all the money laid out. We want everything predictable and blessed and favored and happy and joyful. But I hate to tell you this if there's no conflict. And guess what you had in 2020 and now into 2021? No conflict, no story. The greater the conflict, the more epic the story. So praise God that he's working on mighty miracles in your life. Can I preach about 10 more minutes? I'm almost done. God is in the business of helping us overcome our fears. See, the world says, ready? Set, go. Y'all ever heard that saying? Kids line up on the starting line. Ready, set, go. And so we think that's how God calls us, calls us to move. When everything's ready, check, got all the money, check, got all the this, got all that, all the favor, all the circumstances, even the weather is beautiful. Oh my goodness, ready? Set, everything's set. Oh, it's confirmed now, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll go. God says, I'm going to revert that if you're going to walk by faith. Go. <laughs> set. When you get there, shaking in your boots, now I'm ready. The last time I checked, the Bible said signs follow. The Bible didn't say, you just go in my name and before you will break out miracles like that. He said, signs follow them that believe. If you're waiting on God to move first, you'll be waiting the rest of your life. When God clearly tells you to do something, I was not ready. God says, God says, God says, the world says, ready, set, go. God says, go. I was not ready to preach when God called me to preach. 
I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to even put a sermon together. My daddy wrote my sermons the first year of my life. Only uh, He gave them to me and I got up and preached them. Ready? No. God said to me, go. And when I stepped out, somehow he gave me just enough. And by the time I got to where, when, when God called me to pastor, I was not ready. God said, go. When God told me to get married, get married, Sharice was not ready. I was not ready. We were children. We had no idea. We were in love. And we thought marriage was just a big, woo, I can't get my hands off you. You can't get your hands off me. This is just, we eat, we hold hands and we walk through life. Now, 33 years later, I'm ready. I know what a relationship is. I know what a marriage is. And it's worth every inch of the battle. Every inch of it. Oh, somebody shout right there. When God told me to come to Orange County, I said, Lord, tell somebody else like in Orange County. I didn't know my son-in-law and my daughter would pastor this church someday. I didn't have a son-in-law. I didn't know what God was going to do. All I knew was, and Sharice knew was, God said, go. Ready? Pull the team together as you step out. See, faith is taking the first step before God reveals the second step. Faith is just saying, I'm walking because God told me, and I close with this, but I preached last Sunday in Georgia what this fast was about, I believe is a little formula. Change a pace. That's what fasting does. It changes the routine. Change a pace plus change a place equals change a perspective. Sometimes you need to change the place. I was talking with my daughter, Caroline, yesterday, and she's just like all of you. She lives out here too. And, 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 and she's just been quarantined and it's just, she, she lives there. And, it, and it's just, it's just too much. You can't really, there's nowhere to go. There's nothing to do. And she said, dad, I went and I, I went over the Salt Creek and I was just walking. She said, I'd been in that crazy apartment. She said, I'd walk around where I live, you know, a few times. But she said, I don't know why I hadn't done it. But I drove over to Salt Creek and the beautiful ocean. She said, I started walking. And she said, it just, I, I forgot I'm in Orange County. And she said, it just, the change of pace, the change of place brings a change of perspective. And that's what this fasting does. So, so as you change the pace and the, the places, find some places where you go to get along with God. Go down some trails. Go for a walk. Go walk on the beach. Break out of the just same old routine. And watch the Holy Spirit change your perspective. Speak fresh words to you about your future. And then when He does, don't listen to the lion in the street. I close with this, Psalms 91. Psalms 91. 
I've read all through that, but it says this in one of the verses, and I didn't write down the verse, so I hope they've got it, but it's in there, I promise. You will trample lions. You will trample lions. I conclude with this. Joshua 3 and verse 5. Every, I, I, I said, Lord, what, what can we do this year? What are you going to do this year as we fast and, he, and we pray? And there's this verse in Joshua 3 and verse 5 that says, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. Everybody say, Consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow, the Lord will do amazing things. How many of you want to do amazing things for God this year? Let me see your hand. All right, put your hand down. That was a trick question and you fell for it. The Bible never said you would do amazing things. Your part of that verse is to consecrate yourself. God's part is to do the amazing. If you will consecrate yourself through fasting, a change of pace, a change of place, get away, spend some time with me, turn the stupid phone off, no interruptions, and get the Bible out and sit out on a rock on a beach somewhere or go to the mountains or just go up to the, where the snow is. Do whatever you can do. Get, break the routine, change of pace, change of place. I'm going to give you a change of perspective. And here's what the Lord says. Consecrate yourself. Listen. Amazing is coming. Amazing is coming to America and the nations of the world. Amazing is coming to the church. Amazing is coming to families that have been through hell and fought just to hold on to one another. Amazing is coming just over the hill. Amazing is coming. So stand to your feet now all over the, the, the campus and just lift your hands high like an act of faith. Lift your hands high and open your mouth and now... Give these words to God. Lord, I consecrate myself. Over these next two weeks, the final part of the 21-day fast, I consecrate myself. Now say this, amazing is coming to my life, to my family, to my future. Amazing is coming. Now just praise Him just a minute. Let's worship Him all over this place. Let's lift Him high all over this campus right now. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. I want you to slay the lion that's been holding you in isolation, holding you in a cave of fear. Sing it. I want you to declare it, that angel's coming for your words. I am. I'm going to try again. I'm going to get up again. I refuse to quit. I refuse to throw in the towel. I know He has me in the palm of His hand and you in the palm of His hand. You may be going through the most trying days of your life. He understands. Just worship Him. Worship Him. Go to Judah. Come out of that hold and go to Judah. Come out of that discouragement and defeat and depression. I understand it's real. I understand you've been knocked down. But now the Lord says, slay the lion and get back up. 
what you do when you praise the Lord. You go to Judah. Cast down the image. Well, I'm just going to be by myself the rest of my life. I'm just going to be, you know, a person who's just, just beat up by life. No, that's not the image you get from this book. Cast it down. Slay the lion. I am a child of the Most High God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Cast down that image. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not gifted enough. I'm not talented enough. That's a lion in the street. Slay it. I'm stronger when I'm weak. Now I really, really feel the presence of the Lord speaking life into people right now. Because you've gone, and listen, there's no shame in it. There's no shame in saying, I, have, I, I feel like, Pastor, if one more thing, <laughs> the tipping point. I mean, I don't mean like a glass of water. If a drop of water more, I just, I, I, I just don't know how much more I can take. God knows your name. He knows where you are and what you're going through. And He cares. And he's making you promises through a little preacher from Georgia this morning that he has not abandoned you or left you because some bad stuff has happened to you. No conflict. No story. All things are working together for the good to them that are called according to His purpose. Every tear, every setback, every fear must bow to the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.